Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Welcome to the show, everybody. You are listening to Blind Living Radio. My name is Danielle Crapo. I am one half of your hosting duo today. Joining me in the studio is Harley Thomas. Hello, Danielle. It's a very exciting day today as we just passed White Cane Day yesterday. Yeah, and actually we have a guest in our studio to help us talk a little bit about the history of White Canes. Kelsey Baldwin is here with us. Hey, Kelsey. Hello. It's great to be here. So... Yesterday was White Cane Day, and I know that I have Vala, which is my seeing eye dog, but so many blind people in the United States use a white cane. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about the history of the white cane and how it came about and uh, what it symbolizes for the blind community. What do you guys think? And you have a white cane also. I do. I carry a white cane in my bag all the time, just in case there's situations where Vala might not be able to work or if it's a tight spot or, you know, different. You never know. You never know. So White Cane Day is a day that was proclamated by Congress, and it started in 1921, and it is a day that honors the white cane. Now, what is a white cane, you may ask? The white cane is what a lot of blind people use to get around. It is a mobility device. Um, There are several different types of white canes. Is that right, Kelsey? Yes, there are five different types of white canes, which I learned recently. What kind of cane do you have? I have a Actually, mine's a pretty nifty one. It's a telescopic lightweight cane. Wow. Um, So it kind of telescopes into the handle. It's really portable. I just keep it in my purse. Nice. Yeah. Handy, convenient. Yeah. And Kelsey is sort of our, she's our in-house sighted white cane expert because she's part of the marketing department. That's right. Yes. um, Working with the, I work specifically in social media and through doing that, I learn a lot about different aspects of the blind community and living with blindness and having a white cane or a seeing eye dog or a guide dog of any kind are are some topics that I've been able to learn quite a bit about. So So let's discuss canes. Yeah. So you have a telescope, telescoping. Yeah. Although that is a recent, it's a more, it's a newer model. The original cane was actually made of wood and it was painted white. So the reason it was painted white is a gentleman saw a blind person trying to cross the street and their cane was black. And so he thought, well, that cane isn't very visible to those who are driving. So let's go ahead and paint the cane white. And that gentleman actually was a lion. So the Lions Clubs do a lot for the blind and visually impaired. So uh, he started out the trend of painting the canes white. And actually, in current day society, the white cane is a symbol for you know blindness or visual impairment. Uh, and it actually, in some states, when you carry a white cane, you have the right of way when you're walking in the street because the blind person is carrying their white cane with them. What about the red at the bottom? The red at the bottom is just another, a lot of times that red is tape and it is reflective tape yep and actually did you know that if there are two red bands going around the cane that means the person is also deaf really Mm -hmm. that is interesting i did not know that yep so one red band blind two red bands deaf blind correct huh and there's also different kinds of canes. The little bitty skinny canes are ID, what they call ID canes. And those are just to let people know that you might not need the cane to see what's out in front of you, but you you are visually impaired. Your eyesight is not 100%. 
And it's called an ID cane. Mm -hmm. Do you find that most people, I'm not sure how the process works with getting a seeing eye dog or a guide dog versus a cane. How does a person choose between the two or do they have an option? Yeah. Well, you're typically started out with a cane. I started out with a cane, I want to say I was in first grade maybe even kindergarten. So I was given a cane very, very early in life. And everybody starts out with a cane. Uh, Children typically do not have guide dogs because taking care of a dog is a whole different set of responsibilities other than just taking care of yourself. And responsibility is a huge factor in deciding later on in life if you would like to use a cane or a dog. Uh, For me, there was no question. I I did not mind taking on the responsibility of having a dog. So I chose a seeing eye dog but a lot of people have lifestyles that might not be tailored to having a dog in them you know they might be very busy or they might have a different living situation where they can't get the dog out and about easily and so they'll use a white cane because there's no responsibility other than keeping your cane clean and making sure your reflective tape isn't falling off so as the process goes with um, being paired with a guide dog or seeing eye dog How is a person trained with a cane? How do they know and trust that device as they're navigating? I was taught by an orientation and mobility specialist, and I think this happens in a lot of places, whether it's from a rehabilitation association like the Vision Forward Association here in Milwaukee or through your school district. And the orientation and mobility specialist teaches you how to walk with your cane. The most common way to use your cane is to sweep it in front of you, and the cane is always one stride ahead of you. So when you're... Let's say if you start out on your right foot, then the cane starts out in front of your left foot. And then it just sweeps in front of the foot that's kind of pointed backwards. So it's kind of letting you know what's in front of your feet as you walk. And Danielle, the the canes, the different lengths of the canes, Mm -hmm. what what length do you use? And why do people pick a certain length over another? Um, I use, my cane is up to um, the middle of my chest. Yeah, my sternum. And some people use them that are taller than even themselves. Some people use them that are at the height of their nose. And that just has to do, from what I've heard, it has to do with walking speed and how much you want to know about your environment. For me, the cane being at my sternum, because I do have a little bit of usable vision, is just enough. But for someone who might be totally blind and they want to know, within the next six feet, I'm going to have a curb or a step or an obstacle. They'll they'll use a longer cane. That makes lots of sense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Canes are about as individual as the person who's using them. You know, that brings up an interesting point. I know we've talked about this on previous shows, but, you know, the tendency is when I was recently in an airport and I saw a blind person traveling and they were walking around with a cane. And my first reaction was that I wanted to go and help them. And what's the, I know we've talked about etiquette and the proper way to approach somebody who's blind. And basically, is it not the right thing to do if you want to help them? Do they really trust 100% with with their cane or do they want somebody to approach them? Um, I think it all depends on the person. I think it's the same across the board, whether you have a dog or if you have a cane. I think the rule of thumb is just to ask the person if they want help. That's probably the best thing to do because a lot of times they don't want help or a lot of times they know exactly where they're going. Or, you know, you're going to have those instances where they'll say, yes, thank you, please, please help me. (laughs) Put me in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like these are great tools for children. Yes. And they make canes so tiny. I remember seeing my very first cane. It wasn't a folding cane. It wasn't a fancy. It just looked like a candy cane. 
and I just remember seeing it and seeing how tiny it was and just being thankful after I got over the cute factor because it was pretty cute. <laughs> did it make you feel free even it as a did. kid? Yeah, because I could run with everybody else. I mean, I, I had my cane with me, but because I had it sin- from such a young age, I didn't feel like, oh, and then there's my cane. I just felt like, oh, well, this is just a part of me. And I remember in high school, my dad buying me fabric and wrapping my cane for homecoming uh, wrapping my cane up as a candy cane for Christmas. And when I got accepted to university, we got fabric from that had the school colors on it, and I wrapped my cane for graduation. Very oh, cool. cool. We're going to take a short break now, Danielle. I think we'll come back, talk a little bit more about canes. I have a question that I'd like answered. Okay, that sounds good. We'll be right back with Fine Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas, one half of Blind Living Radio. And I'm Danielle Crapo, the other half. We'll be right back. From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Blind Living Radio from Industries for the Blind, providing employment opportunities for blind professionals since 1952. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by Industries for the Blind, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, providing employment opportunities for blind professionals since 1952. Learn more at ibmilw.com. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio, supported by Industries for the Blind in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Learn more at ibmilw.com. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. I am one of your hosts, Danielle Crapo. Joining me in the studio today is Harley Thomas and Kelsey Baldwin. Hey, guys. Hey, Danielle. Danielle, before the break, I was wanting to ask you a question about white canes, since that's our topic today. Mm -hmm. And I see different tips on white canes, and I know you probably have a personal preference. What are some of the differences of the tips on white canes? Uh, It all has to do with where you're going to be walking. And again, we go back to preference. I had on my cane in, in college right before I got my first seeing eye dog actually had a wheel on it. It was a little tiny it looked like almost a uh, a wheel on a car. And the reason is because my environment was so rural where I went to college that there were a lot of places without sidewalks or with bumpy roads. And so I needed a cane tip that was going to kind of roll with the punches, you know. And <laughs> the pencil tip is the most common tip that's on a cane. And that's just going to be your straight. It actually does look pretty much like the shape of a pencil. And that one works really well in most urban situations. But... So, you know, in a rural area, that won't work because a lot of times the cane tip will get stuck in gravel or in mud or something. So the wheel just works better in a rural area. And then I see some that have almost a tennis ball at the bottom. Yeah, I'm not actually too familiar with those. I I only carry my cane and use it pretty rarely now because I have Vala, but uh, I'm not really familiar with the tennis ball tips. Kelsey, what else do we know about white canes since we're celebrating yesterday? Well, this is this is actually a little off topic from canes, but just in talking about the different kinds of canes, one of which is an ID to just notify people that a person is blind. What is the purpose of wearing sunglasses for blind people? A lot of times when a blind person is wearing sunglasses, it has to do with how sensitive their eyes are to light. Uh, just because you're blind or visually impaired doesn't mean that you can't see light or that light doesn't affect you. So 
a good majority of people who wear the sunglasses just have a sensitivity to light. Uh, a lot of times people wear the sunglasses too just because they think maybe it's part of a fashion statement or maybe they just want to stand out a little bit. But uh, nine times out of ten is just because of light sensitivity. Okay, so it's not necessarily an indication of blindness like certain canes can be. Right. Okay, so how does a person decide what type of cane works best for them? I mean, I guess when I'm thinking in terms of being blind and only having a cane to serve the purpose of identification of being blind, don't they need some kind of, some form of a tool to get them around? If you're carrying an ID cane, most likely your eyesight is good enough to be able to see without the cane. Maybe you'll just walk a little slower or you'll focus more on your environment. Mm -hmm. But if you're carrying a cane, you don't necessarily need an ID cane and then a mobility, you know, where you're, where you've got the act, the tip that's acting as kind of your eyes and feeling around the ground. So when you're carrying the bigger cane, that's the, that's an indication in and of itself. So there's there's something I've noticed that's interesting at, at Industries for the Blind in the building is that at intersections, for those who do have canes, it's probably nice to have the tile so that you know when you're at an intersection in the hallway, right? Yes, and actually your cane will give you that feedback through your wrist. Um, it's the same. I've, I was asked uh, just earlier today actually about when you're walking with a cane and you maybe coming up to a puddle, you know, or how do you know that you're coming up to the water? And it's, you can kind of feel in your wrist where the terrain changes a little bit, and then also you can hear it. So that tile is really helpful when you're coming up to an intersection because your cane will get louder as you're standing on the tile or coming up to the tile. And uh, a lot of times, too, people tap their canes when they're walking, and so they'll be able to hear that, uh, the, the loudness of the tile versus the, the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know when I was in high school, we had a project. It was pretty cool. Um, we had cane holsters, and our folding canes went into them, and we got to decorate them, you know, like according to our personality. So, of course, mine was pink, and it had glitter all over it. So have you ever seen that before, Kelsey? I haven't. It's no. really cool. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's a it's an adjustment for a child that's just learning to walk, and to be able to personalize that accessory they carry around makes them feel like more of a, an individual. For sure. And Danielle, weren't there some celebrations last year about White Cane Day? Yeah, there were several celebrations. I know a lot of city and state governments make sure that there's a proclamation for the particular day. Uh, there's even a flash mob here in the city of Milwaukee for White Cane Day that happens every year, actually. A flash mob? Yeah, so there is a group of public school children and then the people that attend the, the Vision Forward Association, and they all get together. Uh, last year, I believe it was at the courthouse, and they just did a song and dance about white canes, and apparently they got a lot of feedback from the public, and the public got some education as far as what to do you know, when they see a blind person or what the white cane is. It's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. So everyone from school-aged children to adults. Yes. Which is really neat. That's yes. a good way to do it. It was. That's a great PR effort for yeah. the folks behind the white cane, Danielle. It is. So this has been really a great topic to talk about. Thank you, Kelsey, for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Harley, and thanks to our listeners. You're listening to Blind Living Radio. I'm Danielle Crapo with Harley Thomas. Learn more at blindlivingradio.com. We thank you for supporting Blind Living Radio and our sponsor, Industries for the Blind, creating upward mobility since 1952. Learn more at IBMILW.com.